You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get? If I run ads for you, what are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie if you want for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item so you get one free item for penis havers one free item for vulva havers one free item for couples and then you also get six free movies from the adameve.com website you can get your favorite porn or an educational film i love free movies they're so awesome this is such a great deal and then on top of that you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So to redeem this great offer, what you're gonna do is you're gonna go to adameve.com, you're gonna go to checkout, and you're gonna type in darkpod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you're gonna get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off, and then you're gonna get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to adameve.com and take advantage of it right now. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language 
content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on all things disability. And this is, of course, the Thursday edition where we talk sexy things with cool people about sex and disability. That's what the Thursday edition is. Or I come up with a cool episode topic all on my own. But today we're going to sit down with somebody really cool. My name is Andrew Gerza. Get comfy, cozy, and crippled, and let's get the show started. First things first, I just want to give a shout out to all the disabled people out there who are trying to figure out how to be okay during this pandemic. I just want to say that I see you and I know how difficult it can be and I know the stress that a lot of us are under with disabilities right now, trying to just survive and also to thrive. So I see you and I feel you and I hope you're doing all right. One thing I have to say about about sex as a disabled person right now is that I fucking miss it. I haven't had sex since February the 5th, 2020, which which is literally almost four months. And oh my God, do I miss that D. But I'm not going to jeopardize my safety or the, the safety of my sex partners by having sex. So I know that eventually we'll be able to have sex again. But holy fuck, do I miss it. Wow. Just wanted to share that with you because I feel like we're, you know, close now enough that I can tell you that as a disabled sex educator working on not only a sex toy brand and, you know, talking a lot about sex and disability, I really miss it right now. I haven't been able to engage in sex and disability for quite some time and that fucking sucks, but I want to protect myself and those around me, so I'm not doing that. Um, I just wanted to put that little anecdote out there and now we're going to get the show started today. A lot of the times when I'm interviewing somebody for this show, I end up doing a lot of questions and a lot of research on who they are and their experiences, but this one turned out kind of differently, and I kind of loved it for the way it turned out. I sat down with a sex educator that I really, really have admired for many, many years and have wanted to talk to and just sit down with and shoot the shit with for a couple years now, and we finally got to do it on this podcast. I am so excited to share it with you, and instead of writing shit down and doing a whole like proper question interview thing, I said to her, why don't, or actually she said to me, why don't we just have a chat? Why don't we just talk about sex and disability? Maybe you can answer some questions that I have as a sex educator on how I can teach people better about sex and disability in my work. And I was like, that's really cool. So that's what we did. We sat down with each other for the next hour and we kind of fangirled out about each other also, but then also really, really got to talk about sex and disability in a way that was hopefully giving her answers to questions that she had. And let me tell you who my guest is right now. Today I sit down with certified sex educator and pleasure advocate Elle Chase. She's pretty much known everywhere in the sex education field and she's been quoted in every possible big magazine for a lot of stuff she's done. She's been She's been featured in Cosmo, She Knows, Refinery29, The Insider, Dan Savage, AskMen.com, GQ, Men's Health, Bustle, Glamour. She is in pretty much every big kind of sexy magazine out there. Also, she's been featured in 
on NBC's Today Show, ABC's Nightline, the Savage Love cast, the New York Times. She's a big, big deal. And I got to sit down with her in a way that was so disarming and chill to talk about sex and disability. We literally were sitting down looking at each other over Skype as she was on the couch and I was here just chatting. And I loved doing that because these were real questions from her as a sex educator on how to talk about things like ableism, sex and disability, uh, positioning, all that stuff was explored in this episode, but it was like two friends sitting down just chatting about sex, and those are my favorite kind of interviews with people, and Elle also talks to us about her experiences being somebody with bipolar. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in this interview, but I loved and was honored to sit down with her. So without further ado, here's my interview with certified sex educator and pleasure advocate, L. Chase, right here on Disability After Dark. L. Chase, hello. Hello, how are you? Good, I'm so happy to have you on the show. We've been wanting to do this for such a long time. Uh, it's, I'm so happy to be here. I've I've always uh, admired you as an educator, so I'm very happy that you asked. Thank you, and I never feel like an educator because I literally make this show from my bedroom, and it's nice that, <laughs> that you're in your living room and we're just chatting. So it's yeah. nice that we can be educators and be like chill and relax, and we don't have to be yeah. all formal and stuff. Of course, all the exactly. all the press photos I see of you are like super formal and super like. Educatory, so I was like, I wonder what I'm gonna get today when we say hello, but it's it's so nice. Um, I wanted to get you. I kind of did a little intro of who you are, um, mm-hmm. before this went out, but I wanted you to just know. Well, let me try again. Let me try words. I would love for you to introduce yourself to us and let us know who you are and what you do. Um. Well, I guess the way I describe myself is I'm um a sex educator, certified sex educator. Um, and I'm a pleasure advocate and body acceptance advocate. Um, I'm very much a pleasure-based uh, sex educator, which to me means someone that teaches more about pleasure and sex than, say, sexual Mechanics. health. Mechanics. Mecha- well, more like, you know, if you ask me all the different STIs, I'll probably leave one out. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not, that isn't my focus. My focus is is people uh, feeling empowered and shame-free and um, uh, excited to explore their sexuality and their uh, their sexual identity and agency, so. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're somebody that I, like, you've been everywhere. You've been, you've been quoted in, like, every, every, article oh about sex every magazine about sex you like i knew about you before i knew you a little bit like i knew you so i'm 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 a little bit like sex educator start struck right now because oh like, now because like, you're someone that i that i that i really do that I, and in our circles that like, we know all the same people so like your oh. name comes up a lot so it's nice oh. to, it's really really fun to sit down with you and we we chatted i think last year when i when i did a digital presentation mm-hmm. at, at a Sex education, uh, yeah, Etsy. That's and right. Watership's thing, yeah. Who's who has also been a guest on the show and yeah. is great. She's great. Yeah. So you're just somebody that I follow a lot, and it's really nice to sit down with you. But 
today, and I love the premise of when I was emailing you saying, I want to have you on the show, but I don't know, like, the angle to have you on. And I'm not sure how mm-hmm. we do this because I know, that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you're not a person with disabilities. I have uh, invisible disability and I've had temporary disabilities for a majority of my life, but oh. nothing I would classify as, you know, any sort of anything that really uh, makes it uh, difficult to say have sex, except when I was really, really bad in my temporary disability. So. Okay. okay. I am curious then, oh. if you don't mind, what, uh, what, when you talk about temporary disabilities and invisible disabilities, do you feel comfy disclosing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, my invisible disability uh, starts with bipolar 2, which is a type of um, depression um, that is more focused in the sort of the bipolar uh, region of mental health. Um, I also have a lot of skeletal um, and fascial issues. So I've always had bad knees. I have very little cartilage in my knees. I have always had neuromas in my feet. So part of my toes are numb and um, the ones that aren't have pain when I walk. Um, And because of that, I have chronic back pain. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, I will need knee replacements. So I'm just sort of biding my time. So. I had I had hip replacement. I know how fun replacements of any kind can be. It's super oh, fun. Oh, I can imagine. It's yeah, I can super imagine. Super fun. Um, but one of the things I wanted to do with bringing you on today is because we were talking about how do we, what can we do for an episode? Like, how do we make this into an episode? And then you said, well, I'm an educator and I have a bunch of questions about mm-hmm. about how to teach sex and disability. And I was like, that's freaking awesome. Let's do that. So <laughs> I have written nothing down and I okay. am going to be like, just I'm ready for you to ask me all the questions. We could maybe find a way to answer them together. Well, yes. And um, my questions may come off as ignorant. So let me just apologize in advance for any ableism or ignorance. These are questions that have been posed to me um, while I was teaching my fat sex classes um, and also written into me, um, into my site, um, and then some of my very own that I am just, uh, I, I've been inco- uncomfortable asking people about it for fear of seeming ignorant. Um, so, yeah. Okay. First off, I don't think that you, thank you for apologizing, but I don't think you should. Mm-hmm. I think, okay. I think that part of, part of the way we dismantle ableism is by talking about it. And I think mm-hmm. that and I, a lot of the work that I've been doing recently has been to realize that we're all ableist, whether we're disabled mm-hmm. or not. I have done it. I will continue to do it. It's something that I mm-hmm. have to work on constantly. And I think the way we bring it out, to, especially to people with invisible disabilities or um, or who who I don't who don't identify as disabled, is to really talk about it. And I don't think we're doing mm-hmm. that enough. So I think when people apologize for the ableism right away, I think it. I I get why we want to do that because we don't want to offend anybody, but also Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it takes away from having that discussion. The immediate Mm -hmm. like, oh God, I'm so sorry. It's like, okay. Right. It's, it's not allowing for that discussion of like, what did you mean when you said it like that? Why did it come? Right. So I'd love today to like, to, to hear what the questions are, but also find ways to unpack like where, where, 
the feelings around like where mm-hmm. the ableism comes from so that people who maybe have the same question can think about it on their own terms and feel mm. empowered to kind of admit like yeah I, I did say an ableist thing and but here's mm-hmm. where it came from not to negate that it was ableism but to say right. like it came from here how do I dismantle that right and I, I find too that I mean since I teach a fat sex class that has a lot to do with with uh, changing positions and altering positions for fat bodies, um, there are also those are also positions that can be used for people with physical disabilities, depending on the disability, right? So yeah. I get asked a lot of questions that I don't have answers to. For instance, how do you? Um, I personally think that it's important to bring this up uh, whenever you have a new partner, regardless of what's going on with your body. But um, how do you approach sex with someone who has a physical disability in a respectful way that doesn't desexualize the moment? That's so loaded already. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's a great question because everybody has... Everyone asks me a variation of this, and I think it it comes down to just being honest about. Like, you might want to just say like, "Hey, I'm gonna. I might do some ableist stuff here. I might be a little bit awkward around this. I'm just learning. I don't. I don't know how to. Like, I want to make you feel comfortable, but I don't know mm-hmm. what I'm doing necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. And so, just I think I think we need to own it more. I think there's. And I think with every person with disabilities, their experience of ableism and their their acceptance of what is okay is vastly different from one person to the next. So it really like it really depends. I think I think the way we start to do that is to to own the fact that we have ableism first in that conversation. Like name it out loud mm-hmm. to the person. Be like, I think you're really hot, but I recognize mm-hmm. you're a wheelchair user, and I want to fuck you, but I don't know how mm-hmm. to do that because. Mm-hmm. I've never been with a disabled person before and I don't know what I'm going to say and it might be weird and I might be like I think mm-hmm. I th- and I've always said if a, if a if a hot dude in a club or online said to me I really want to fuck you Andrew you're super hot let's fuck but I don't know what the fuck I'm doing that's going to get me really excited both physically mm-hmm. and emotionally because it's like okay you own that now mm-hmm. I can now I can teach you without fear of without without fear of you saying something weird because mm-hmm. I'll kind of know that might be coming and I'll know how to be ready for that when it happens. I think just owning that is a great start. Um, yeah. And I think saying like, I think one thing that I get all the time from people without disabilities or, or non-disabled people who, who I've hooked up with or wanted to fuck or must around with um, have said, to, I've said like, oh, I'm in a wheelchair. Is that okay? And they'll say, oh yeah, no problem. No big deal. It's all right. And then they'll come to my house and they'll see my reality of disability, and all of a sudden they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I didn't <laughs> quite realize you were that disabled. I wasn't. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize there was that much to it." So, I think really just owning what you don't know is a great first step. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's a great. That's a great answer. Um, I I have to say that um, I think. I think there are some feelings to be shared between the fat community and the disabled community. And I'm going to, I'm going to piss somebody off with this, but 
because <laughs> you are you think that you you feel other in some way. Yes. And um, and that feeling of being other um, tends to work on our psyches and dismantle our self-esteem. And um, I think that there is nothing sexier in the world than seeing someone and being able to uh, to articulate how sexy you think they are um, and how sexy you you see them. Um, someone that it has uh, a a uh, a problem with a part of their body that they're very self-conscious about or that um, I spoke to someone who had a colostomy bag once like she wasn't she didn't feel like that was that big of a problem and then she went out and she started dating and started getting um, intimate with someone and then she was just like wow you know it really would have helped if someone said to me um uh, you are sexy and I don't care you have six colostomy bags. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just being able to see yourself as you are sexualized yeah. is really empowering, I think. Um, I had a point, but, you know, the menopause it's will all good. take it, my, my points away. I mean, I think also, so. I think also with, within that discussion, I think for me, I, where she said she wanted somebody to say that I don't care that you're that you have a colostomy bag, I would say mm -hmm. I would want my person to say, I do care you're in a wheelchair. I do care you mm -hmm. have disabilities. I, d I care mm -hmm. very much about that stuff. But at the same time, I care about all of that. Of course I do. Mm -hmm. But I also want to, like, fuck the shit out of you. And let's I want to fuck the shit out of you. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I think <laughs> it's okay to say, I think with, with ableism and because it's so insidious and it's something we don't talk about enough, um, I think it's okay to say you care. A lot of people with... When they when they approach somebody with a disability, generally they'll say stuff like, "I don't see your disability at all. I just see you," right, right. and like they don't mean it in any kind of malicious way. They're just trying to say, "I think you're great. I think you're really awesome. I want you to know that I mm -hmm. see you." And mm -hmm. so for me in a sexual situation, like I hope you see my wheelchair. I hope you see all the things that I have to manage mm -hmm. with because I do. So like again, that just speaks to the. The level of, you know, how how different each disability can feel for somebody. She might not want mm -hmm. her colostomy bag to be the focal point of the the conversation. Whereas I'm like, I want my wheelchair to be the focal point of this conversation. Because what if I want to fucking in my wheelchair? We're gonna have to talk about that. So like, yeah, and I think that's so interesting too because it is it is no different from any other situation where it's like you could say something one way and it could really like if someone said to me about anything about myself, you know, I don't see that about you. Uh, yeah, I, I would be a little like irked, like, so you're not seeing me? Like what, I, you know, and plus it's such a, it's such a trite thing to say. But if someone said to me, I know that this bothers you, and I'm talking from a, from my point of view, for yeah. me, I know that that bothers you. I know the fact that you can't kneel when you're giving me a blowjob is makes you feel like you're not, um, you know, you're less than a lover. But um, wow, that's that something I never even considered me. before. Like I never even it makes sense now because you said you had to have all, all those knee things. But uh, yeah, I, I would. And know. you know, 
when I was 250 pounds, I weigh less now, I happen to, but I was 250 pounds for half my life. And not only could I not kneel because of the pain in my knees, but I couldn't get back up. So if I tried to kneel in the moment and was like, I'm just going to deal with the pain because I want to be on my knees and suck his cock, uh, I would then know that I could not get back up and the humiliation of of that and then having to ask them to pull me up and being too heavy for them to pull me up. Yeah, I can I, I can only imagine how the the like I understand in a different context the shame and the pain like yeah. I can't get on my knees either. Luckily yeah. for me being a wheelchair user, I am at cock level pretty much already. Yeah. So <laughs> But I will say there is something really sexy in the porn that I watch, where, where like mm-hmm. where dudes sucking on another's dick. I can't, I cannot perform that motion of like I'm mm-hmm. gonna kneel down now and like look up at you longingly with my eyeballs and like mm-hmm. then blow you. So I do. Mm-hmm. I, in a similar vein, I understand the like the longing and wanting for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's um. And I think, I think in that way too. I think we're more uh, we can relate to each other in um, in those ways, which makes it easier to understand. And then I think easier to incorporate um, that sort of that element of society that may need a cane, or more may need a wheelchair, or may need whatever. Um, in order to get around. Yeah, Does that make sense? Totally, completely. Um, in, instead of making it like, would you ever date somebody in a wheelchair? Like, it's like saying, would you ever date date a black guy? Like, well, I date men. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? What yeah. it used to be then. Um, so I, it would be great if that got to that point where... Um, it's not so much an issue anymore. Does that make sense? But I'm also curious. I'm always curious of that question. Like, mm-hmm. what would you date somebody in a wheelchair? I, I, mm-hmm. I love getting the answers because because mm-hmm. what it highlights for me as a researcher and as, a, as an educator is like, I want to understand and really parse out mm-hmm. what, why did you say no? Like, why mm-hmm. did you say no? What like, And not to shame them, but like, right. why? Did you say no because you're afraid of disability? Did you say no because it's too much work? Did you say no because mm-hmm. it's scary to you? Did you say no because it, you know it's too close to home? Like I'm really curious about what are your answers to that question? Mm-hmm. Like I think a lot of times, and I've done this in the past, where if someone said no, I'd be like, oh well, you're a fucking asshole, and I won't talk to you. But now, right, right, now that I'm a seasoned educator, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which feels weird because I'm just a freelancer, but whatever. But I, like now that I'm you're really... a seasoned educator. <laughs> you are a seasoned educator. Now that I've done this for a while, like, I'm really curious as to like where where that comes from because I think people don't even realize how how much of that is layered in racism, ableism, fat phobia. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. All oh that yeah, stuff. I agree. I agree. And again, it is it is something like I've been on dating sites and I have been attracted to uh, men with disabilities. And so it hasn't been a an issue for me, like reaching out or having conversations or whatever. But 
when I talk to, or even over here, because it's Los Angeles, um, even over here, people talking about the um, status of their mate and what makes that status. It is a, um, it is certainly um, an area uh, for people. And I think that it is um, something that needs to be dismantled um, in such a way that it is so, um, so rife with ism. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just like all the isms, it is so very important to break that down. And like what you said, like, why do you say that? Why is it? Why is it less status? But you why can't come. But see, I think you know? I think the way you break it down too, you can't come at mm -hmm. them with. You can't come at them with, the reply of like, why did you say that? Why? No. Tell me right now. No. It has to be like, okay, let me take your hand. Let's sit down yes. at this coffee shop together and like, let's make some notes about how you why you said that thing. Yeah. Well, because you have to be you ha because people are so um, they get so. Uh, defensive that if you want to make a uh, if you want to make an impression really want to get your point across you do have to come at them with curiosity and and true like and love almost you have to come at, you have and love like if someone says to me you know oh you know those those tits would look great on my you know on my table swishing around or something like that <laughs> and if I act stupid and I just say oh I don't get it but I, I don't, I don't understand. And then having to make them explain why they think that that's funny or yeah. why they think that that's sexy or that I would find that sort of reminds them of like, Oh, that was kind of a gross thing to say. Yeah. So by yeah. saying like, I'm curious, I, I'm so curious, like, why, why would you think that as opposed to this? And then going, Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. You know, getting them to think on their own about it. So I love that approach. It's mobilizing the anger. It's mobilizing the like, because your knee-jerk reaction to that is like, fuck you, you fucking prick. Yeah. Wife. Like, you're gross. You're a misogynist. Ew, gross. But, yeah. and you can do that. And you're within your rights to like, fuck yeah. you. I'm, I'm going to click off there. Fine. But I think yeah. the same with, it, with me and ableism. Like, there have been moments where I've posted stuff that guys have said to me online. And I've shown it like, look, this idiot said this. And then somebody will like message me after and be like, Okay, well, I get you were mad, but do you think there was a moment there where you could have said this? Yeah. And it really yeah. made me, like, it really made me shift my, the way that I was doing my activism to, mm -hmm. and really this only happened in the last six months of me being like, I don't want to be mm -hmm. mad at everybody for saying a thing. It's yeah. exhausting as fuck and I just don't want to, I just don't want to do it anymore. So, mm -hmm. like, can we find another way to do this? Yeah, I, uh. I totally agree, and that's that goes along with. Um, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Yeah. You know, I just want to be happy. <laughs> you know, whatever, whichever way I can get there, I just want to be happy. I don't have to be right all the time. So, um, I'm gonna try and make this a, a a happy interaction as much as possible, where where we both feel good about it. Exactly. Um, you know? Do you have any other questions that you wanna? <laughs> I do. Um, some questions that I will get uh, is how things work. Like, how does the penis work? How does the vagina work? Um, if you are 
um, paralyzed from the waist down? Can you feel anything? Can you get hard? Can you feel anything in your vagina? Does your clitoris still um, have sensation? Um, people are so, so curious. And what I've always said is you have to ask. And you, you know, everybody has, you know, different bodies. We're all snowflakes. And so everyone's going to have a different variation of whatever that disability is. So you can't have just like one answer. Yeah. But here is here is a variety of things that could happen. And um, but you really do have to have communication. You really do have to talk. I mean, I think to answer the broader question, like I think does your penis work or does mm-hmm. your vagina work or does do, it's very that's, mm-hmm. that's why does it have to work like why does it mm-hmm. have to? And so I'm, I'm, I've, I've talked with people on the show about par- who have paralysis and who are paralyzed through accident and through stuff mm-hmm. like that. And they've said to me like, I hate that question because sometimes I can't, yeah. get, sometimes I can't get hard, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean I'm not aroused. Sometimes mm-hmm. I can't get off, but that doesn't mean I'm not aroused. And mm-hmm. so I think the question of does your do your genitals work is mm-hmm. really centered around. If they don't, does that make me less than? If they mm-hmm. don't, does that mean I'm less important? Does that mean I'm less attractive? Mm-hmm. Does that mean if I said no to you, what would your response be? Mm-hmm. And more importantly, if I said yes to you, mm-hmm. would, would you like breathe a sigh of relief? Like, oh, good. I was worried. Like, like, right. What would your response be if I said yes or no? Well, I think it it's uh, it's sort of the the um, it's congruous. I'm not using that word correctly. I but, like that um, you, I like, I think this is the first time we've ever used the word Congress on this show. So yeah, good. Oh no, it's just kind of like, you know, when someone says, uh, you know, do you, do you uh, always come when you have penis and vagina sex? It's like, why is that important to you? You know, it's my responsibility to, to come. And then sometimes I don't want to come. And how about if I'm just aroused and I'm just enjoying the moment? And how about like, why, why is it important for you that I come every time that, that you're sticking your dick in me? And, you know, it's like, it's expanding your idea of what sex is and what, um, what enjoyable sex is and the kind of sex we all want to have can be different at different points in our life. Yeah. Um, when I was 20, can, you know, I wanted to yeah. come every single time with every single partner and it had to be yeah. this this like yeah. this really either romantic thing or this really like dirty rough yes. quick fuck and now it's like yeah. now now I've actually enjoyed sessions with workers that I that mm-hmm. I work with like I work predominantly with sex workers and so I I enjoy sessions where we don't we're naked and nothing's happening we're just yeah. They're in the space together. Yeah. Intimacy. Yeah. And and sometimes that need for intimacy will include physical touch, sexual touch. And sometimes it doesn't. And um I think I think it opens up that broader question for everybody of what is what is pleasurable sex for you and how many ways can you have that? And it doesn't like I'm very much into mutual masturbation. Like I think that's a so really I. it's a really fucking good time. So hot. I know. <laughs> it is so fucking hot. And you know, it's it's great in so many ways, especially now with this fucking pandemic bullshit. But <laughs> it is it is such a great way to um have safe sex or safer sex. 
and also create intimacy, whether you know someone for 10 minutes or 10 years, because masturbation is something that we classically do on our own in private. And, um, and to do it consensually with a partner is showing them a part of yourself that no one gets to see. Yeah. And you're showing them how you like to be touched. And it doesn't have to end up in a uh, in an orgasm. And in fact, in, in Tantra, when you do a linga massage, which is penis, or a yoni massage, which is um, vulva, vagina, you, the idea is not to come. The idea is to receive pleasure and to give pleasure with no expectation um, at the end of that uh, for any reciprocation. And I think that's such a beautiful thing to learn every sexual human being i think that's i think it's so great because like it that like for me as a disabled man as cis man like my need to come was totally wrapped around ableism because if i didn't come then i've somehow failed already and i've done it wrong and of course i would fail because i'm disabled and so yeah learning to let go of that has been i'm 36 now like i've been having Mm -hmm. sex now for what for god 17 years and it's mm-hmm. still something that I'm constantly grappling with. Is like, how I, how do I just let go? And I have one or two workers that I see on a regular basis who are like, you know, before pre-pandemic, not right now, but pre-pandemic, they mm-hmm. would they would say like, you know, just relax, don't worry about it. If you don't come, it's okay. Or if you come too soon, it's all right. And like it, it's taken me such a long time to get to a place as a disabled person where. If I didn't come, and also because with a sex worker, you're paying, you know, you're paying for a certain type of fantasy or a certain type of thing, and if if mm-hmm. that sometimes doesn't get met, that can feel really. The first couple of times I didn't come with like this hot sex worker in my like that I was paying for them to be naked with for two or three hours it was like oh well it was hot and I really enjoyed yeah. it. I really enjoyed my time with you, but I wanted to blast a nut in you because yeah because you're the fantasy that I've. That I'm sort of paying for. So like it felt. Yeah. I felt like I was missing out. And now he'll say to me like do you want to just. Do you want to go for a walk before we hook up? Like do you want to go get a coffee? Do you want to like. And that feels almost more powerful than like. Yeah let's let's fuck each other's brains out for three hours. I mean we get to that. But like. Yeah. To just be. I remember at some point a couple summers ago. We went out for a walk around my building. And. I kind of held his hand down the street as we just went and did this thing. And it felt weirdly more sexy than if we had just fucked for two hours. Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, I so, so get that. I mean, when I got out of my marriage, which, I mean, I had, I probably had double digit sex my entire life by the time I got out of my marriage. Like, we barely had sex. And I, I just fucked everything I wanted to fuck in every way, in every permutation, in every position, like everything. And now it's like, and I still have a sex drive. It's not like menopause has robbed me of my sex drive, but I still have a sex drive. But my idea of what turns me on and what my body's idea of what turns me on have, um, have sort of been changing and morphing, but become closer together, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's how we change as we, um, as we age, um, mentally, as we age, uh, 
we change our ideas of what we find sexy and what kind of intimacy is the most powerful for us. I totally and agree. to be open to that, to be open to that, like you're open to that. You were able to see, think of how many people that don't think about sex as much as um, you and me do, you and I do, um, to like suddenly hold hands with someone walking down the street. It might not ever occur to them why that feels so good. And, and it might take forever, it seems, to figure out, oh, special kind of intimacy yeah. that comes with with um, humble touch. And, um, and it's that kind of sex educator that I, that I strive to be, and I think that you are. You're in a unique position um, having to think about your corporeal being your entire life. And, um, and its place in the space and in the world that you are able to give that, that sense of import to, um, to people who haven't lived in their bodies just because they haven't had to think about it. Yeah. And so, you know what I mean? And, you know, yeah. And, and so that's why I, I, um, I'm, I love teaching non-disabled people about disabled sex because mm-hmm. it really does make them stop and think. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love the. I, I used to despise the question. I never thought of it like mm-hmm. that, and now I kind of love the question. I never thought of it like that because, mm-hmm. in that moment, it's a light bulb moment for them where they're like, "Oh, I never." Yeah. I, I tr- it's a, like an Oprah aha moment where they're like. I never it's revolutionary. Yeah, they never, re- which is ironic because I'm in a wheelchair, so it is revolutionary. Because I'm, <laughs> yeah, my wheels are 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 re- make our revolution. Are yeah. revolution? Are <laughs> Yeah. Um, I had a question for you though about about mm-hmm. sex and invisible disability. You mentioned earlier that you have bipolar two. Uh-huh. Um, how how would you say that 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 plays a role in your sex life at all? It does. It plays a huge role in my in my sex life and my um, romantic life. Um, bipolar two is different than um, major depression in that it has. It's harder to treat. They say, although once I got on the right medication, it was like wow. Um, but I have sort of. Our manics, our manic episodes and our low episodes are um, are less uh, extreme as someone who has um, uh, bipolar one, but I can still feel it. And so, in my romantic relationships, it really takes a lot of effort to think: Do I even want to start going? Do I even want to go meet this person for coffee? Because do I even think they're going to? to be able to handle the fact when they hear bipolar, they're going to think she's crazy. You know, I don't want to go out with anyone who's bipolar. Um, Do I want to trust them? Do I want to be intimate? Are they going to say something that's going to um, make me feel self-conscious and not trust them to be depressed around? Um, And then there are times when I'm in a relationship with someone when it will be like, um, we have this big evening planned and we want to go out. It's like we're both turned on and we want to have sex when we come home and blah, blah, blah. 
and something will will just like with the snap of the hand, snap of your fingers, I'll be like, no, I want to be alone right now. And being able to um, to have that understood by another human being that you care deeply about. And I'm lucky because my best friend is like the expert on sex and depression. But, um, but Are you talking about my yeah. friend too, Joellen Nate? Yes. Um. um under the bed sex uh depression and the uh uh yeah like see my and you know what i because i have menopause now too sometimes my brain fog is even worse i have brain damage so i so i I get i understand okay (laughs) right so you don't judge me for not being able to come up with the second part of that um the title for my best friend's book no um sex depression and the conversations we aren't having um, Joellen, jo- I had her on the show, I want to say a year and a half ago. Joellen, if you're listening, come back on. It was fun. Um, yeah. but it, it was just great. And so like, what I love is that you and I know all the same people in all the same circles. Yeah. And it's just so, it's just been, it's just so fun to have these conversations and to have, to sit yeah. down with somebody and just like chat about about stuff that sometimes I think no one else gets this, but just in talking with you about, you know, the differences and similarities between bipolar and and fat bodiness and like how Mm -hmm. connected all that is to all the other things around disability Mm -hmm. and like ableism and exclusion. And so it's just nice to be reminded that these things are not necessarily um, always so different. No, and I think that that's the key to um, to normalizing conversations um, and not making them verboten is to be able to see the similarities that we feel and um, that we see. Like, uh, you know, being fat isn't inherently a disability, but it might feel like that to you, and it might you might be treated as if being obese uh, in the medical term, the way that people are talking about it um it is like you may not be able to walk because of your size you may have other things that you can't do because of your size but it is we are more alike than we are um different in how our minds work completely uh do you and I i know you have more questions can you tell me one of the ones that you've had that you like that's just your own personal question that I can answer for you. I have always felt self-conscious about bringing up the subject of disability and and wording um, with anybody, um, and not be. I'm always afraid I'm going to offend somebody because I don't I don't mean to, right? But they're like I said people with disabilities once then I said disabled and I got yelled at for both so <laughs> like what do I like which is why I say fat because apparently that's the worst thing you can say to a fat person other than like some other pejorative but that's just a description that is just an adjective right just it's the intention behind it yeah yeah and I would say the same so, thing I would say the same thing with disability politic I would say like yeah. for instance my mom and I love her to bits and she supports everything I do and she's great she will say when she's talking to me about disability the language that she uses is special needs now that language has been outdated for I gotta say like 
30, 40 years now with with disability yeah. politics. But when she was growing up and learning about how to raise her disabled son, special needs is what she was reading in the books and what all the people were saying. And That's how, right. Like, yep. so I don't, and I remember we were sitting in an airport like, like last year she was helping me come back from a talk and she was doing she had done my care all weekend and we were going home from somewhere and we were talking about something and she said special needs and my activist brain said mom you can't say special needs because blah 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 and she stopped me and looked me dead in the face and said like why are you yelling about that right now like yeah. she's like why are you yelling about that because I wasn't doing it to hurt you it's just right. the language that I know and it really made me stop and think yeah, much like what you were saying. What was the intention behind what you were saying? Yeah. Was she trying to hurt me or was she simply trying to, to have a conversation? And so my views on language have softened somewhat if with the caveat of like much like how we're doing with the trans and non-binary communities right, right now where we're saying, hey, what are your pronouns? Very similarly mm-hmm. to that, I would, I would, and I've said this a bunch of times, I would say again, like, um, ask a disabled person, how do you want me to refer to your disability? How do you want me mm-hmm. to name your disability? And I think in a lot of employment situations, it can be problematic because you're not supposed to ask. But I think even that needs to be right. needs to be softened a little bit because by asking, it doesn't mean you're trying to offend the person. It just means you're trying to, to learn. And I think that a lot of these yeah. laws that we've enacted to protect marginalized people from discrimination and I get why I understand why entirely but mm-hmm. I think we need to look at the intention behind all this stuff what if I am giving an interview or I am teaching a class and I want to um, and I because I was saying people with disabilities or differently abled I was saying for a long time and so you know, what is a good catch-all phrase when you're, when you're addressing a group of people? I would say if there's a... This is a tough one because I would say if there's a disabled person in the room, like visibly or otherwise, or someone who's mm-hmm. like, who has like self-identified as disabled, I might stop them and say, person, how do you, would you mind sharing how you identify? Mm-hmm. Like, but I think a good catch-all when you're doing like generalized seminars is mm-hmm. person with disabilities just overall because that way you know you haven't you haven't like hurt somebody and that's kind of like the, the that's kind of like the legal terminology mm-hmm. people are using I think differently able strikes people the wrong way sometimes although mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of squidgy for me that language but I mm-hmm. think uh, I have friends who use that terminology and it, it I, I would never use it but also mm-hmm. I use the word cripple and I'm sure there are friends of mine who would never use that language so it's really yeah. dependent on the person you're talking to and I think it's okay to not know but I do think that person with disabilities is kind of a safe catch-all for a now safe anyway. way to go that's good thank you um I think I know that when I was going through um, my sex educator training at SFISI, San Francisco Sex Information in San Francisco, we had a module about um, sex and disability where they showed a video of a couple of sex positions. And afterwards, I was like, is there anything else that we could watch? Is there is there anything more illustrated or instructional or porn 
where it would like I learned a lot of my what my taste was for sensuality and, and sex and things I like to do from porn as an adult. Me too. Um, that any other uh, way to teach educators that is visual for different positions, different ways to have sex, um, different angles that might help depending on what you have, um, what's mobile, what's not. I think I, as far as I can see, there's a dearth of that material. And um, I just know that I, I get questions a lot specifically for people with bad knees and bad backs. But then you think, well, what if you have, what if you're in a wheelchair? What if there's a Hoyer device? What if you are um, paralyzed from the neck down, you know, and want to have sex? There, I mean, that's such a, again, that's a, that's a super big question because for every, for yeah. every, for every disability or for every variation of disability, it could be different yeah. person. But I think there's not enough visualizations. There is a great book though called The Ultimate Guide to Sex and Disability. Yes. It's kind of, a, I have that, yeah. it's great, but it's outdated. It's like almost 20 years old now. And I keep being like, does somebody want to do book two? Like, does somebody want to write The Ultimate Guide too? Because... It's slightly outdated and it's a little bit clinical. Um, I think, you know, there is... I, I did a porn, and I'll plug my own. Why not? I did a porn recently with Himeros.tv. They asked me to recreate a porn, so I got my sex worker friend and I together, and we, we you know, fucked for a good 20 minutes. Um, that's, to, in terms of visualization, like, it, that might be hard to show in a in a educational context sometimes, but mm-hmm. I think that's like that's a great way of showing how a certain body might work. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm just trying to think of what other visualizations that I know are out there that you could draw from. It's they're just it's so rare that, that that that's even discussed. There needs to be you need to have a book like I just did, like I did the 101 you know fat sex positions, Kirby Gall sex. Yeah, someone needs to hire you to work with people just to show a bunch of different sex positions and, and describe them um, at least in a book or like a color book or something. Or Yeah. But I mean, I think like, Oh yeah, well it should be, I mean, it'd be, uh, well, I could sit here and spitball that for, for days, but I mean, someone should really publisher should hire you to do that because I think that that would be a huge seller especially if it didn't have the word sex in the title, like mine did, <laughs> which causes people not to want to uh, buy it for their stores. But, I mean, I have the ultimate guide to sex and disability, but I think a picture book would be really um, helpful for yeah. a lot of people. Um, like, I would love to see an illustration of somebody in a hoary lift. Yeah. Of, like, a young person... And I only say young because typically when we are shown illustrations of a Hoyer, they're not somebody in, right. in their 30s or 40s. They're typically right. uh, an elderly person, which is fine. And, the el- and elderly people can be included in the sex book, obviously. But like, yeah, but it would you know. be nice to show the young dude in his 30s who's getting, you know, the, his ass eaten out in the set in the in the Hoyer lift sling. Like, you know, yeah. that those kind of pictures. But yeah, I think those pictures are sorely lacking. Um, 
and that kind of stuff. Uh, do you have another question from your own personal question box or one that you've been? I think we covered. I think we covered a lot of the questions just from talking about it. I think. I think for me, the the feelings that I have. Uh, the feelings that have come across my my body, my mind, my body, um, when talking about sex and disability, is trying to be respectful, and um, and also trying to teach others how to be respectful as well. And by respectful, I don't mean special treatment. I mean inclusive. Yeah. Um, and, but and one of the things treating... I'll say about like about like the respectful comment, I think when people try to be respectful around marginalization, they mm-hmm. don't say enough of what they're really feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think we we I think we mentioned this at the beginning. They don't say enough about what they're really feeling, and mm-hmm. therefore they they're respectful, and that means they're quiet. That means they're like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, I I. I accept and respect the fact that you're a fat body person, period. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. respect the fact that you're a disabled person, period. And then they say mm-hmm. nothing else about it, which I think is a problem because yeah. they don't they're not actually getting at the crux of their stuff. So I think it's learning to be respectful of other bodies. Mm-hmm. Um and it's learning to name what things you may have thought that were not so respectful. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of what we need to be doing more of, and I don't think we're doing that enough because we've been taught so heavily in mar- in talking about marginalization that if you say one thing that is a misstep, then you you're canceled. And I feel like yes, yes. Oh God, I have such feelings about that. <laughs> and and you know also like I think Tristan Taramino said you know if you're teaching sex, if you're uh, if you are teaching to a group of people, you have to come from a place of most of those people have probably experience some form of sexual abuse right because because that's just the numbers and so when one goes into a teaching context like that it's a good idea to think about um at least some of these people either have a physical disability or they love someone with a physical disability or they have a partner with a physical disability or they hooked up with somebody with a physical disability last night exactly you're like you don't know exactly so you want to open that up to uh, to more people by giving people the permission that it's a safe space to be able to bring up questions about that. Yeah, and I think I would say to the disabled community too, I think we, and I say this very carefully, but I think we need to really look at that and look at our response to when people have questions and look at where our anger comes from. And I, I'm not saying the anger is invalid. I'm saying that it's mm-hmm. so often the first thing we lead with is you're is mm-hmm. is you're a fucking ableist therefore you're canceled mm-hmm. and it's like well that mm-hmm. doesn't that's not going to move us ahead we have to no we have to give people a chance because guess what we're disabled and we fuck up too yeah but you know i think everybody does and it it is like especially in our community, I've seen a lot of people get mad, like educators get mad at other educators for for things like you know um, I don't know I'm not even going to come up with a with an example because there are just so many. But it's kind of like you don't need friendly fire. If you're going to get mad at somebody for saying something, get mad at people who really 
our ignorance about issues. If you're going to get really mad about somebody in your own community, I think you need to come at it from a different, a different point of view of like, Hey, listen, that hit me the wrong way. And I'll tell you why, blah, 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 blah. Instead of you're this and you're that, and you're canceled. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it's giving someone the benefit of the doubt, being empathetic. And it's, it's, um, it's letting, letting people that you know are coming from a good place to explain themselves and to, um, and to be kind. It's not like, you know, I think someone cut me off or I cut somebody off rather in the Trader Joe's, um, parking lot. And I didn't mean to, I just did it. And I, I got out of the car and some woman started screaming at me in the parking lot. And I was just so like, it was so not being screamed at was not in the space that I was in. And I was, Oh God, it was so loud. And I just went, really? Is this the person you want to be? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Is that the person you want to be? And she looked at me like I had six heads and cause she's expecting, you know, me to you scream back at her. To fight back? Yeah. Right. And it's like, no, I just like this really is this necessary? Or were you getting like, out of it? That's how I feel yeah. with a lot of disability activists that I mm-hmm. like I've 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 removed a lot of them from my feed because I'm like I don't want to see that negativity. And it's not yeah. it's not so much about like being overly positive about disability. It's about like I need to shift it for myself before yeah. I turn every non disabled person into the enemy. Yeah, you want you want to you want to leave it open so that people feel safe and they feel welcomed, understanding something that they don't understand. Yeah, and that and this is a big reason why there are people in the fat positive, body positive community that I piss that I piss off and that piss me off because people just want to be happy. People want to feel like their struggle matters and and that their struggle is even though it may be slightly different than you know the person that looks just like you it's still a struggle and that you may have a different way of dealing with that and that's okay you just want to be happy i mean i would say it like this and i just came up with this in my head so i'm gonna excited. <laughs> i just came up with it <laughs> okay. as you were talking. i would say the struggle is real it doesn't have to be mean yes i agree it, it, in fact, not only does it not have to be mean, it shouldn't be mean. Yeah, and I know it, we're not supposed to use the word should. But you get nowhere with being mean. You got more and, bees with honey than you do with vinegar. Yeah. Like, that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. And so it's like, I see a lot of people in the fat positive community going, you know, if if you are fat and you lose weight, you're not you're not part of our community. And you've, you have, uh, you know, you basically... Um, What's the word? Uh, Removed yourself. On us. Yeah, and you don't have a voice anymore. And it's like, fuck you. That's not... I do too. Yeah. You don't know my struggle. You don't know what I went through. You don't know why I lost weight. You don't know if I'm sick and that's why I lost weight. Yeah, you don't, you don't know. The same with disability. You know? Like, you don't know why I might want to work out. You don't know why I might want to, why I might want to walk. You don't know why I might mm-hmm. want to do all these things. It doesn't, like, you don't know. We don't know everybody's story. And I was talking with somebody on, on, a quarantine and chill that I was doing the other day for my mm-hmm. show and we were talking and he he's super positive about disability and we have a totally mm-hmm. different viewpoint you know what I loved we had a conversation it's out 
we had yeah. a co- we had a conversation and we didn't kill each other at the end. Yeah, we isn't that nice? St- we're still friends. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it should be. I mean, there's so much um, people assume and jump to conclusions so much now, especially now in this. I mean, I'm older than you, but like we used to give people a little bit more birth. But now I think things are so immediate with social media and everything. I have a friend who's in a wheelchair and she's in a wheelchair uh, because she has severe vertigo and she can walk so she can get up out of her wheelchair, yeah. but she can't walk far and she cannot walk fast and she needs to hold on to somebody. But I was at like a body storytelling with her once and she got up um, to walk up three steps so that someone else could carry her wheelchair up for her because it was just easier. Yeah. And I heard someone just say, she's not really, she doesn't really need a wheelchair. And it broke my heart because it's like that, that assumption that you know better than that person. Cause yeah, no, she doesn't need it. So she just goes around <laughs> in the wheelchair because <laughs> it makes things easier for her. Like what? Yeah. It's just like, you never know what somebody's deal is. And Maybe she didn't, maybe she had tried something else before, but the wheelchair really works for her. And so she can lead a normal life with her wheelchair. Why can't you just leave her alone? Why do you have to? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it's like people, you know? People are going to people and they're like this. People are going to people. This is why I don't leave my house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Me neither. I mean, which, yeah. So do you have one last disability related question or thought that we can end on? Um, I would love to know your advice ready of, of ways that sex educators, like maybe like a couple of easy to do ways that sex educators can use to make any class that they do more comfortable and more inclusive for, uh, for people who are disabled. They can say things like. Much like we said at the top, they can say, I'm probably mm-hmm. going to say something ableist. I might say an ableist thing. I don't know everything. I'm not fully aware of everything. But any class, like, if it's not if it's not particularly related to disability, say I'm open to, just be open to discussions about it. If somebody's in the class and you haven't prepared a disability thing and somebody comes at you with a question that you don't know, tell them you don't know. Don't, mm-hmm. like, don't fabricate an answer because it, sounds like you know oh god no yeah just say i don't know but i'll learn um Mm -hmm. and i think as an educator if you're not disabled or you don't have the same level of disability as someone you're teaching to own that and say i don't have this Mm -hmm. i don't don't know but i'm willing to be taught i think it's just an Mm -hmm. openness um in terms of accessibility try to make Mm -hmm. things digital try to make things so that we don't have to be there. And in, in this post-pandemic world, like it, it, that is what we're going to be doing for the most part. But, mm-hmm. you know, I would have said bef- before pandemic, like one of the things I love about Anne's classes at, at Etsy mm. was it was all digital. And, and it was all she made the effort to make sure that that was part of how I could teach. And so that mm-hmm. was important. And I think for, again, for accessibility in the classroom, if it's in person, try to find a room with a lot of space try to find a room next to, you know, a roll-in bathroom. Try to find, try to really focus on the things that if you were in a class for eight hours a day and you had to Mm -hmm. go pee, 
what would you want? You want an easy mm-hmm. access to the bathroom. So mm-hmm. if you want somebody with a wheelchair to or with a, you know varying disabilities to be there, how are they going to be there if they can't pee? Mm-hmm. So, yep. like all these things you'd want to consider, and then if somebody really can't be there, I've also done, I've also done lectures that I've pre-recorded and sent in to mm. classes where where I just do it in front of my camera, and I just do the class, and then there I am. So there there are ways around right. it, I think. Um, and also, if if it's possible, I think you could, if you if you're speaking predominantly about disability for a portion of the class you could also hire a disabled person and say Mm -hmm. like hey i can give you a portion of this or i can give you something in kind or i can do something for you to 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 make it easier for you to be here but i'm not disabled and therefore i don't know but you do would you Mm -hmm. want to do this with me i think that's those are all great ideas and i might actually even venture to say that if you have the means to hire um, a disabled educator to help you integrate um, into classes um, uh, any way that you would need to make a special arrangement or some way to educate people that's accurate within your classes so that you can carry that through to your classes um, from here on out. Hire them as a consultant. Um, Andrew Grizzard, <laughs> Andrew Um because I think and and I think that that's important too for any marginalized community. Like I'm, I am looking to hire someone to be more trauma informed, um, and I want to be intersectionally trauma informed. So it's very important to me to hire a black queer woman to teach me how to be more trauma informed. But I think that to be able to give back to your community, your, your educational community, your sex education community in that way and support people. Um, and you also gain so much more than what you're giving. Yeah. That it's, um, I think that's really important. Um, uh, and we're out there. Like we were just, especially right now, we're waiting to be hired mm-hmm. for stuff and everybody's yep. going to need shit digitally right now. So like many of us are chomping at the bit to do stuff over Skype, to do, like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So if you have them, and also, but I would say too, I do a lot of work pro bono. I do a lot of work mm-hmm. for free because I realize that a lot of these organizations don't have my full fee. Mm-hmm. Like they can't, and I value what they do. And I remember, yeah. I remember when I started out, and I just wanted to get my feet wet, so I did a lot of stuff where I wasn't paid. And so I still mm-hmm. do a lot of that because I recognize yeah. that this community, my community, particularly queer and disabled communities don't have a ton mm-hmm. of dollars right away so right. i try to give back to the community and like okay i'll do five or six for free a year so that like absolutely yeah i do the same thing i just think that if we have the means and we can do it money doesn't hurt yeah <laughs> money is great money helps me get dick when we're not in pandemic times so that's right just in case you're all that listening and right. wondering where all your dollars go after I go talk. They usually go to me having great sex. That's right. And that's not a bad thing. No. Um, Elle Chase, this was so fun. And it was such a such a fun time to sit down with you today. Thank you. It was fun. I had a great time. I'd, I'd love to come back anytime. I w- you not know, that you asked. but you I, w- I would yeah, love to I'm have you back. I was, thinking because, <laughs> I was thinking because we have just launched our sex toy company. And yes. we've just, Candy, right? yeah, and we're so mm-hmm. excited about it. And we've also launched 
a podcast within our podcast called The Handicast, where right. my sister and I sit down and we like talk about sex toys together. So I thought you being an educator at some point, I'd love to have you on again. Sure. And to like chat about that with us because I think that's a whole other conversation and it could be really fun. Okay, great. I'm into it. All right. I'm all over that. Um, before, right. I, before I let you go, how can the people follow you and get a hold of you? Um, I'm very active on Instagram, but I am on Facebook and Twitter as well, all at the L Chase, and that's E L L E Chase dot com. Um, sorry, that's my my uh, my website. God, man, I need a coffee. Too many things. Website L Chase E L L E Chase dot com, or on social media, the L Chase. Fantastic, L Chase. This was <laughs> this was you're just it was just so fun. To sit down with somebody for an hour and just have a chat about stuff, but also oh, have it not be scripted at all and just to let let the, let stuff come out. So, thank you for that today. I really had a good oh, time, and pleasure. I would love to have you back. My pleasure. I would love to be back. Thank you so much for asking. Anytime, and we will talk so soon. Um, yes. and uh, go get that coffee and have a, have a great rest of your day. Oh my God! Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, friends, this has been another edition of Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. I'm, of course, your number one queer cripple and your disabled Dick Smith host, Andrew Gerza. If you like what you heard today and you want to follow my work and find out more about what I do, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow the podcast directly, you can head over to Twitter and punch in DisAftDarkPod and follow us there. If you want to contact the show with a show idea, a guest idea, a comment, or a complaint, you can head over to your email and email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening to this latest edition of Disability After Dark, and we'll be here to shine a bright light on more things really soon. Thanks, everybody. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Music was by Music by Space Robot Scientists. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Notice 2020